to the front of your bulletins. We'll read the Word of God together. There's two passages, and the first one is a fairly familiar one, coming from John 3:16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The second one comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Did you know that from the beginning of writing music, I mean from the actual beginning, across all genres, across all countries, across all airs, 60% of music has been written about love. Is that insane? That is absolutely crazy to me. That 60% of all music—it's about you know—it's an estimated number because they were trying to do a, a, a study. This was a study out of like Florida University. I think that's absolutely crazy. Today, we lit the candle of love. Well, love can mean all kinds of different things, right? I love chicken wings. <laughs> And I love Heidi. But I better not confuse those two loves or I'm in trouble. Right? Right? If I love Heidi like I love chicken wings, that would not go over very well, would it, Jeff? No, no, no. Right? And that's what's so difficult about the English language is we have this word called love. And we just throw it out there, right? We are obsessed absolutely obsessed with love. A couple industries, and this is a little bit um, PG-13 rated, but it's truth. And I was in, you know, researching industries. Number one, the, uh, in, in, our, in our factuation with love, the romance novel industry, a $1 billion dollar industry. One billion dollar, right? And sometimes we think that's a big number. The adult movie industry, want to take a guess? Last year, 97 billion dollar industry on the internet. Just one of the top adult websites, one of the top adult websites, has more traffic, you ready for this, than Twitter, Netflix and Amazon combined. The industry makes more money than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. It is a bigger industry than the oil industry. Do you think we're looking for love? Think we're searching for love? Love self-help books are the number one selling anything. Anything. We are looking for love. 
And as our friends from the UK said, all you need is love. But is all you need is love? Huh? All you need is love? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If that's the statistics that are coming out right now about us as a world, as a world, for instance, the adult industry on the internet, you ready for this? That money is enough to feed 4.8 million people every day for a year. 4.8 billion people every day. That's like three quarters of the world could eat every day for a year just from that one industry alone. We are searching for love. And as another song says, we're searching for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Man, songs have it all. Let's just think of some love songs, right? L is for the way you look, right? How about some other love songs? Love, come on. Love makes the world go round. I like it. Think of some other ones. I put one on Facebook the other day by my friend John Mayer. Love isn't a thing. Love is a verb. Love's not a thing. Love is a verb, right? Or any other love songs? Yes! Oh man, I've been that song stuck in my head all day long. Oh, I'd do anything for love. No, no. Can't buy me love. Can't buy me love by our friends again from the UK. I, I could count on you, Scott, right? Like I said, 60% of music is written about love. But what does Scripture say about love? We're, we're lighting the love candle today. What does Scripture say? We know what pop culture says about love. We've done a lot of research on love. There's just crazy amounts of, you know, interest in love. But what does Scripture say about love? If you have your Bibles on your phone or wherever, my phone's over here, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. In the New Testament, quite a bit far in the New um, Testament, whoopsies, what's my phone doing here? Um, near the end, 1 John chapter 4. <coughs> Scroll down to verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God is love, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. And then... There's all kinds. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. We love because God loved us. I'm looking for a specific verse, but it says this. This is how we know what love is. 
that Jesus Christ laid down his life and we ought to lay our life down for one another. See, the love, right, the the word love that John wrote about here is brought up, I don't know how many times in that chapter, but if I had to guess, it's like 30, 40 times it's brought up. But what does it mean? Does it mean Marcus's love for chicken wings? Does it mean my love for Heidi? What does it mean? Well, this was written in a language called Greek. And in Greek, there are four different words for love. Now, follow me here. It took me four years and $120,000 to learn this stuff. Right? The word here for Greek is agape love. There's phileo love, city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. There's eros love, right? That's romantic love. I was going to embarrass one of my children, but I won't. Um, Romantic love. Help me out here. Then there's... Yes, what was it? Yes, storge. What does that one mean again? Is that when the storks deliver the babies in the thing? No, down that kind of love. What does storge mean again? I think it's love for chicken wings. I think it's what that one is. I'm going to go with that one. It's like love for chicken wings. But is anyone smarter than me that knows what storge is? I can't remember. Anyway, but then there's agape love. And Jesus, right, talked about agape love more than anything else. Agape love is not natural. I would say Eros is pretty natural. When I saw Heidi, I didn't have to muster up Eros love, right? I would even say phileo love is pretty natural. I naturally gravitated to my boys, right? My boys, both in middle school, high school, college, on the block, you know, gals. You naturally gravitate to your gals. It's phileo love, right? Agape love is not natural. I don't naturally say, Brian, yeah, you can have a crack at Christmas dinner before me. You can choose the prime piece of prime before me. That's not natural. That's agape love. Agape love puts others in front of ourselves. Okay? And that's the love that you and I were made out of. And I talk about this a lot theologically, right? This is a deep concept. God is a perfect being. Perfect. And remember the analogy that we use for perfect? What does perfect mean? Right? Well, perfect means this. When you go shopping for a wedding dress with your daughter, you try on two, four, ten, a hundred, whatever it is, right? (laughs) I love how some of you are looking at your daughters. Um... And you go, oh, that one needs to be shortened. Oh, that one's like the shoulders aren't right. Oh, the midsection, you got to do something with that, whatever. It all needs work. But then your daughter comes around the corner in one and you all go, oh, it's perfect. And what do you mean by it's perfect? You mean it needs nothing. It needs no other adjustment. It needs no other color. It needs nothing. Take that analogy and give it to God. God is a perfect being. What's that mean? That he needs nothing. 
And what is the most unselfish love or agape love that a perfect being could have? Is to create something that needs the perfect being. That right there should make your head go, oh, wow. That's a hard concept. But guys... The entire world, every sunset, every sunrise, every waterfall, every mountain, every ocean, every human being was made out of agape love. So though agape is not natural for you and me, it is what we were designed out of. And when you and I put our faith in God through through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. So the Bible says when we confess, in Romans chapter 5, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we are saved. And as Jesus said to Nicodemus, we are reborn. And when we're reborn, we have made room for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit enters us, He is part of God. God three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters us. Jesus said this, after me there will come even a greater one. One who is will be called comforter. One who is a counselor. One who is a guide. And we know the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the wind blew and the fire came in and rested on them. That's the Holy Spirit. Now what happens sometimes is we in 2018 live in a world where I think we've kind of dulled the effects of the Spirit. It's almost like we don't even need Him. Right? We've either taken technology and said, we're going to eliminate all of our needs because guess what? We have instant coffee, instant breakfast, instant lunch. And we've got all the best medical. We're doing all we can do to not have faith. <laughs> right? We're trying to eliminate all gray. Try to eliminate any question mark possible and make everything measurable, everything black and white. News for you. You look through scripture, the spirit is not measurable. He don't make sense. But that's what makes him beautiful. It's exactly what made C.S. Lewis pen the words, he is wild, not tame. And when you make room in your life for the Holy Spirit through confession of your sin and belief in your heart that Jesus died and was risen from the dead, you now have the power of agape love. Right? You now have the power of agape love. And if you've been a parent before, you begin to understand this agape love. I have no reason to love some of my children sometimes. I just, but you do. But you do. And we begin, right? Like, I never used to cry in movies. You know what's weird about me now that I'm a parent? I don't cry in sad parts of movies. I still don't. I bawl my eyes out in happy parts of movies. Isn't that weird? When there's something happy going on in a movie, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Something is in me that's not me, that's not natural. 
And that, my friends, is agape love. Agape love does not make sense. It just doesn't. Eros love makes sense. She is cute. I want to hug her. Right? Phileo love makes sense. I got your back. You got mine. Let's take them down. Right? It makes sense. But agape love, which says you before me always, makes no sense. However, in my small 14 years of marriage, I am learning that as I am unselfish towards Heidi, I feel, I experience something I don't experience with any other relationship. A true surrender, a true, you know, a true love. Jesus says, oh, you love your brother, Phileo? Good for you. Even the people that don't believe in me do that. But those that believe in me, they love their enemy. Those that believe in me, they can even love a Yankee fan. Right? And that's agape love. And agape love is led by the Spirit. And what's a riot is we talk about this a lot with our children in our home. And when they leave the table, my wife and I look at each other and we're like, we just explained that to them. But we need to hear that. And we need to do that. So, for instance, you know, kid comes home. And explains just how ruthless another kid is to them. Just how mean. Boy, some of the stuff that I'm hearing from middle school, oh. But then I take a step back and I remember. Remember my story? I came into middle school, a sixth grader from homeschool. I was the homeschool kid. So I didn't know any of the sexual jokes. I didn't. I didn't. And someone told me that my next class was in Mr. Orgasm's room. And I couldn't find that room. And I went to the office and asked for him. Awesome, right? Homeschooler just served it up and poo, sent that homeschooler right over the fence. And they made fun of me. And my nickname was Faggy McGee. And they called me Faggy McGee in 6th and 7th and 8th grade. And it didn't leave until I was a freshman, thankfully. Because what happened was we combined high schools and everyone was scared of our high school because we went from like little to like 1,200 kids, you know. And um, it's a lot like Plymouth and all those little schools that come into it. And uh, so when I listened to my daughter explain some of the things in middle school, I began, and this is, what, this is what agape love does, right? I did not understand it as a sixth grader. You know who gave me that name? His name was Sam. And you know why Sam gave me that name? Because the way that it all shook out, I came in one rung above him in the social ladder. Poor dude. He'd been trying for so long. And I just waltz in one day, I'm the new kid, and I notch him down. So very smart, he found my weakness, and that's was I was naive, and I didn't know a lot about the dirty jokes they were all saying, and he went at me. 
And he got me good. Why? Because he was hurting. He was hurting. Hurting so bad. And you know what I found out later? None of them knew anything about the dirty jokes either. They all thought they did, but I was the only one that was willing to be like, I don't know what that means. And all of them, if they were truthful, instead of going, oh, he doesn't know, he doesn't know, they should have been like, me neither, bro. I don't have a clue. My uncle said it at Christmas. I don't know. you know, Because that's totally what they should have said. But they did it. And so we're able to around the table with our kids be like, all right, that really is not cool that she said that to you. That is, that's low and that's mean and that's coming from a really dark place. Where is she coming from? Where is she coming from? And this is where I always kind of like, well, how do we do this, right? Because because I work in the town with certain things, I know a lot of people's backstories more than maybe someone else would. And I'm sitting here trying to share with my daughter a little bit of a small picture of this person's backstory. <laughs> you know, they are tearing you down because you have been placed here. You have a mom and dad that are together. Nobody in your immediate household is addicted to drugs. Other than Christmas caroling, the police have not come to your house. Right? The, the, the reality of some of these kids that are just ripping on my kid is that their reality is just, oh, you know? And agape love, agape love, this is not natural, guys. What's natural is for when someone makes fun of me, I retaliate. I bring the dukes, man. I put up and I'm, mmm. Agape says, oh, that was from a dark place. Where are you? Where are you coming from? Wow. What's your reality like? And what do you go home to? Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Can I give you a hug? Can I, can I, can I do something for you? Like, well, you know, that's agape love and it spins it on its head. And what's crazy about it is that's really hard to do. It requires an hour by hour surrendering to the Holy Spirit. An hour by hour. My flesh is so strong that every hour I need to say, No, Lord, fill me. Holy Spirit, come. Whether it be retaliation, whether it be lust, whether it be anger, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, I don't really care what comes to you, but I bet it comes hourly. And I bet that you're sitting there thinking, oh, no one knows exactly what I'm going through. That's not agape. Agape says, man, I wonder, I wonder what they're, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what their reality's like. Can I put myself in there? Agape. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our life for another. You can only do that by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. You will never will up agape love. It's only done by surrender to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you so much that you chose to come to earth. God, we thank you that you opened the back door of heaven and let your precious son walk out of perfect, walked out of no pain, walked out of just a great piece of where he was, and he stepped, Lord, into this. A world that you have made, but you've allowed us to do our thing. And when we did our thing, we did our thing. And it got dirty. Jesus, I am so thankful that you did not consider your equality with God something to be grasped, but that you stepped onto earth and made yourself low like a human, and then you, by the power of the Spirit through agape love, gave your life for me and for those in this world. Give us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the strength to put our faith, hope, and trust in you. We love you and we thank you for Christmas. Help us, Holy Spirit, with stress and anxiety and worry and fear. Help us, Lord, on the positive side where we have food and feasting, not to worship that, but to just say thank you to the gift giver. Help us to celebrate. In your name we pray. Amen.